Welcome to the Abundant Life Church Sermon of the Week. We hope you enjoy this message by Pastor Basil Wilbur. For more information about Abundant Life Church, please visit www.abundantlifechurch.org. Amen. I think sometimes we take it for granted, the great music we got in church. I, I know we think we don't, but man, we got good music. Good music. Amen. So today I'm just going to teach you a message on here today, gone tomorrow. And if some of you men think that I'm talking about you, you're right. Um, uh, we used to have more hair, but here today, gone tomorrow. Um, have you ever thought about some of our blind ambition without divine direction? There's a little thing that says, be careful little eyes what you see. Be careful little eyes what you see. Amen. You can, all you Sunday school teachers could just keep right on going, but let's stop with, be careful little eyes what you see. I'm going to talk about a guy tonight by the name of Samson. And unfortunately, every time you hear the name Samson, you think of who? Delilah. So we'll be talking about Samson and his friend Delilah. <clears throat> in the scripture in Matthew 6 and 22, it says, the eye is the light of the body. So then if your eye is clear, your whole body will be full of light. But if your eye is bad, your whole body will be full of darkness. In 24, no man can serve two masters, for either he will hate the one and love the other, or else he will hold to the one to despise the other. You cannot serve God and mammon. Either you will serve God or you will serve sin. You got to serve one or the other. The, the sad part about Samson is Samson, God invested in Samson. Now, if you put an investment in something, you want to see a good return, right? God invested in Samson, but Samson was not a good investment. But God invested in us, and we want to be a good investment. We want someday for the Lord to say, well done, thou good and faithful servant. And the fact that I'm glad that I invested in you. He put something inside of us that should come alive and should affect other people. He invested in us. And he invested in us. He invested in Samson so Samson could be a deliverer. He didn't invest in Samson so Samson could just have a good life and do what he wanted and all these other things. He invested in him so he could help his people and he could deliver the people. And um, sometimes with the things God invests us, we, we, we forget of what he's done and the good investments he's put inside of us. And if you're anything like me, it's just amazing how you can forget. You know, we, we cut down the children of Israel as they go through the Red Sea and how could they ever forget all the miracles that happened and all those other things. But even us ourselves forget miracles that have happened in our lives and goes by a month, goes by a year, pretty soon we forget of the blessings we've had. And if we're not careful... We get distracted. But the Lord commands, so this is really my, my main thought for the night is, the Lord commands his people to separate themselves from sin and to live a holy life. Now, there was a guy that said, we either have a problem, we are a problem, or we live with a problem. 
And if you just poked your wife, you are in a problem. But all of us have problems. There's problems, problems everywhere is problems. Everywhere you turn is problems. But God has gifted us and invested in us that we can help be those people on the job, in the family, wherever we're at, to help deliver those folks that are in these problems. Now, he's given us an investment. Either we can be good to that investment or we can be bad. Um, it's our choice, really. God's given us that choice. God called Samson to live a separated life, to come out and be different. We need to be a people that comes out and is different. If we go someplace and they can't tell that we're different, we're in trouble, folks. If we just blend in like the rest of the crowd, we're in trouble. We become that crowd. There better be something different. Now, many of you folks think right away that I'm just talking about smiles and I'm just talking about love. I'm talking about everything. Our life ought to be different. We ought to think different. We ought to act different. We ought to, we ought to look different. The things that we do ought to be different. We should be different. We are a separated people. Um, if we were playing skins and shirts, well, we ought to be shirts. But they ought to tell what team we're playing for. We need to be different. And um, 1 Peter 1, 15 and 16 says, but as he who has called you holy, you also, he is, um, you also be holy in all you conduct because it's written, be holy for I am holy. Be holy for I am holy. We can't just blame it on God because of our lives are a mess. He says for us to be holy like he is holy. Amen. That's a pretty tough message maybe to teach on Wednesday. I don't know, but blame God because he gave it to me. <clears throat> the people need a deliverer, not a devourer. God didn't save me and give me gifts and give me things in my life so I could devour everything that I could get. He gave me those gifts so I could be a deliverer. So when I walk into some place, I can be a deliverer. I can help folks. You know, on our jobs, somebody's just looking for somebody to make a difference. Somebody to be a little bit different. To be the person that walks away in the middle of that bad joke. You don't want to be a part of that. Somebody is looking for somebody to be a leader. To not just agree with everything. Um... There's a lot of things that we don't agree with that we shouldn't agree with. And every day in our lives, we go places and people all want us to agree. They want to just be accepted. If you remember the first two kids in the Bible, Cain and Abel, Cain came with uh, an offering and Abel came with an offering. Abel's offering was accepted. Cain's offering was not accepted. God told him, if you go back and bring me the right offering, then I'll accept you. This is not just about accept everybody for who everybody they are. We accept because of the things that God talks about in here because we are a separated people. And um, amen, there's an amen in the house. I heard it. I believe it's true. Because I'll tell you why. Because the scripture says in 2 Corinthians 6 and 17, wherefore come out from among them and be ye separate, saith the Lord and touch not the unclean thing, and I will receive you. If you remember Samson, when he was uh, with Delilah, he killed a lion, and 
returned to find out that that lion had built a honey nest. He scooped in that honey and took and ate it and then came back and gave it to his family. His family was Nazareth. I, I, I never say that word right, but basically they were a separated people. They weren't to touch anything that was unclean. And he, because of the things he was dabbling in, he brought it back to his family and let them eat it. And they partaked in his uncleanness. I've heard people say that, you know, I, I can't say that to my kids because I don't want them to be discouraged in our faith or I don't want them to feel uncomfortable. I, I want to make it as comfortable as possible for them to come to church. And, 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 and what are they, 85? If they're 15, throw them in the car. Drag them in here. If you got to help me go out there and pick them up and bring them in, I'll help you. They're your kids. Be separate. Amen? They can go to anything else, but they can't come to church? I, just because I got to be careful, I don't offend them, to bring them to the house of God? Who's the deliverer in their life? Seriously. You teach them how to go to the bathroom? You did. I don't remember it, but somebody taught me. But I seen Jeanette help those guys. You might as well teach them how to come to church. Right? Because if you don't, this is what will happen. They'll go out in the world, they'll grab unclean things, and they'll bring it into your house. And that's what we have to be careful that that didn't come into our house. I was thinking, you know when people used to say this, it, it, it's just... You know, you hear it, um, Lars, I'm sure you heard this at work. People say, that person doesn't got very high standards. They'll never be in leadership because they don't got a very high set of standards. That person will never be, uh, that'll never be a good marriage because those people just don't got a good high set of standards. But sometimes when we talk about standards, people get scared and want to run away from the church. Are you kidding? Our standards ought to be higher than anybody's standards. We ought to have a high set of standards. Amen? And the reason why I say that is because of this. Because you want to be people of a high standard. I want to say, you know, John, you're a man of high standard. And, and Bob, you're a man of high standard. Because we are not just wishy-washy. You know, well, did anybody... Which way is the crowd leaning? Well, I want to feel like I'm part of the crowd, so I'll lean with them. Oh, I hear they're going this way, so then we'll go this way. Is there anybody that stands anymore? Kind of wish the youth would be in here. Maybe somebody could remind the youth to listen to this message for this one fact that a lot of us have already made mistakes. But we need a youth and a generation that starts standing for things. You know, in my generation, I've seen things deteriorate year after year after year after year. I don't know what it's going to be like, Becca, when you have babies. I have no idea. 20 years from now, when some guy finds you, it's going to be <laughs> deteriorated and deteriorated and deteriorated. What's the day that the generation turns around and we have a revolution? And they say, you know what? We want to have a higher standard than our mom and dad had. Well, you know, if we set the bar here for our kids and for ourselves, they're going to set the bar here. How about if we teach a generation to set the bar here and to set the bar there 
And oh, mom and dad, I'd like you to come along, but you really don't have a high enough set of standards to go with us. I, I would love to hear that from my kids. Not in a haughty way, but in a way of knowing that they're doing things right with God. I want to follow that kid. Where are they going? Boy, they got, man, what, they're going to a Bible study? I, I want to follow that kid. I mean, what are they doing in a Bible study on Friday night? Not, you know, uh, is Brother Mitchell, he's still in here, right? Brother Mitchell, you know, at the turn of the century when all these miracles were happening and they were throwing canes and, and crutches and all this stuff out the door and all these things were happening and all, all these healings were taking place, people came along and they tried to substitute that for these crazy preachers because they have lost their closeness to God. And the way to get close to God was to get holy. We talked about that in Bible study. If you remember the story in Moses, Moses comes by the burning bush and the burning bush says, what does it say? Take off on holy ground. The Lord wants us to take off this world so that we can get holy. And when we get holy, we don't need a program to get miracles. We just need the name of Jesus. Amen? And we need to shed that. We talked about in the Bible said we need to shed it with fasting and prayer. You know, maybe when's the last time you fasted? When's the last time that you really cleansed yourself to get yourself holy to God, you know? We talk about us being a holy church, then we need to be holy. We need to be separate from the world. We need to do things different than they do. Amen? Folks, if our kids are ever going to be better than what we are, we got to hire our standards so they'll hire their standard. Amen? Amen. I believe it. I believe it because there was this guy named Samson, and he took everything that the, the Lord wanted him to do, and he took it, and with his eyes, he did everything possible to go out and divulge all the things that he could possibly gain for his own satisfaction. He was a disgrace to his family. And we talk about him as a kid thinking Samson was strong and he had Delilah. But as I get older, it makes me sick. It really does. I don't want my kids marrying a Delilah. No way, I want to marry an Esther. I want to marry an, uh, uh, you know, a Rachel, a Rebecca. And, and people can marry any Rebecca as long as not mine. But you want them stepping up. I don't want them marrying a Delilah that's, that's just after their stuff and to hurt them and deceive them. And to, I want them marrying somebody that's gonna help them get to heaven. You know, I, I told my wife one time, she said, well, you know, there's obviously reasons why you marry each other because they're cute and all that other stuff. But she asked me, what's the number one reason you married me? And I said, the number one reason I married you is because I believe that you're the best chance for me to get to heaven. Amen. I married somebody of a high standard. Amen. Don't you want to get somebody with a high standard? Somebody that says, oh, we don't have to do that. But how about somebody that says, we should do this? How about if we do this this week? Amen. Somebody of a high standard. Samson was spiritually drained. He was physically bound. He was morally bankrupt. And he lost his freedom. When you turn yourself over to the world, you lose your freedom. 
The enemy will try to make you think that you're gaining something when in all reality, you're losing all you have. You know? I always uh, tell any of the people, if I'm teaching a Bible study about, you know, a virgin, as far as I know, you only get one shot at that. That's only a one-time thing. Are you agreeing with me? If they only knew the value, if you only knew the value of some things that God gifts us with, if we only knew the value of those things, what would our standard be like? If we only knew how important it was to do this, if we only knew that at this girl, she sits at this desk and she smiles at you every day and you feel very good about it, if you only knew that there was another hallway to take because you're a man of a high standard. If there's a lady at a gas station that you, maybe you stop by and you feel real uncomfortable because every once in a while she looks a certain way, then you need to go to another B&P or a quick trip. They're the best. But what do your eyes see? Samson started playing games. Here's the first game Samson played in Judges 16 and 7. Well, he, after his riddle and a few of his other things, here's one for... Um, Samson went and caught 300 foxes, tied them up, set them on fire, and burnt this field. That story is not in my notes, but I love it. I just love that story. I, I think it was one of the cool things that I've ever heard of, but it's probably sad if Peter was to listen to it. <clears throat> Anyways, let's get back to my notes. Judges, chapter 16 and verse 7, and, or verse 6, And Delilah said to Samson, Tell me, I pray thee, wherein thy great strength lieth, and wherewith thou mightest be bound to afflict thee. And Samson said to her, If thou bound me with seven green withs that were never dried, and then I shall be weak as any other man. And it went on. They came in and raided the place, and it was a lie. He, he was just playing games with her, playing, having sport with her. The next one, he said unto her, if, in verse 11, and he said unto her, if thou bind me with fast and new ropes that never were occupied, then I shall be as weak as another man. And they came in, and, and he lied to her again. But you see the progression here. You see how we're getting closer. We're going from the uh, withs to the ropes to the, the next one. In, in verse 13, And Delilah said unto Samson, Hereto it thou mocked me and told me lies. Tell me where thou might be bound. And he said unto her, If thou weavest seven locks of my head with the web. And she fastened with it and pinned and, and said unto him, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson, and he waketh out and no problem. You see how the progression's getting close to the secret? The enemy would love to get close to our secret and take it from us. I always laugh at Pentecostals that tell me that they have the Holy Ghost and that has the power and because, and now that part's not a laugh, but I laugh at them with the fact that that's where they hold their relationship with God is the fact that they receive the Holy Ghost. The power that you have as a human being is obviously the Holy Ghost, but the power that you have as who you are is your holiness. 
Because it, the closer you get holy, the closer you get to God, and the farther you're separated from the world, that's where you're strong. And when the world, when the enemy and the world can wear you down and they can find out and they can sneak and grab that from you, they get closer and closer. Now, this is not a bad thing. Now, this is not a bad thing. Now, this is bad, not a bad thing. And you've given up all these things in progression like Samson did till one day, you know, Samson, he's shaking off those ropes. He's shaking himself. We went and did sin before and come back to church and we just shook ourselves and we said, Oh, yeah. Holy Ghost is still here. Church is still here. I'm still okay. Like nothing ever happened. Why? Because it's the power of the Holy Ghost. But as we let it dwindle and dwindle and dwindle in our lives, and we no longer live that life separated from this world, and we get closer and closer to the other side, eventually one day, this is what happens. In verse 16, and it came to pass when she pressed him daily, with her words. We're getting pressed daily in this world. Daily our kids are listening to this junk. Daily are they are being told. <clears throat> Folks, <clears throat> some things don't make sense. Now, if you tell me that three bodies is one God, I'll tell you that three doesn't make one. And, and I used to think that that was, you know, as a, as a tough tri trivia question. I mean, I thought, how ridiculous. Somebody says there's three, and I say there's one. The Bible says there's one, and I don't see how you can get three to make one. That's just, that just seems obvious. But as you can tell, and everything that's happened in this world, things that are completely obvious, that are completely true, that are completely facts, become, it doesn't matter. It really doesn't matter. In all of the things that we stand for that make us separate, that makes us different than the world, those things matter. Amen? Is anybody following me with that? They matter. But as we get desensitized and lulled to sleep and rush the hush, little baby, don't say a word, because if you do, you'll lose your job. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. Because if you do, you won't be able to go to the birthday party. Hush, little baby, don't say a word. And we have all this peer pressure that we don't want to stand up and say what's right. But yet, we, we I, I don't know what a word would be called, but like yearn or earn, or I don't want to get the wrong one because my kids will laugh at me later. But we want so badly for my kids to be separate. But then sometimes, am I willing to cave? When the questions are asked to me, am I a caver or do I stand up for what's right? Amen. Think about it since you've been in the church, has the church gotten stronger? I can tell you right now, some of the ladies I knew in the church when I was a kid, if you even mentioned you were going to some of the places we go to nowadays, they would take you by the back of the hair and run you right up to the altar. And if you didn't get the Holy Ghost, they would give it to you. Seriously. Thank God for those women. Man, they come back and ask you if you were saved. And, and, and you had to convince them of it. Otherwise, you were going to go up and talk to them with God about it. Where have they gone? Now, I'm not saying uh, we don't have women like that in our church. But what I am saying is, if you've been in this a long time, have we grown closer 
to God or have we gone away? Maybe some of you have grown way closer and maybe some of you have gone away, but that's, that's what I'm talking about to you tonight. Where are you at in your relationship with God? Is every day you're trying to set a new standard in your life to, bring, to make you stronger or are you giving one away? Now it's quiet. And it came to pass when she pressed him daily with her words and urged him, his soul was vexed unto death, that he told her all of his heart. The song that we sing was, Open the eyes of my heart, Lord. Open the eyes of my heart. I want to see you. And the reason why is, because when he said in the scripture that it's better to you pluck your eye out to make heaven than to go and see him. The reason why is because he wanted to make sure that it wasn't about your eyes and what your eye sees, but it was about what your heart seen through your eyes. What are you in love with? Are we in love with the world? Are we in love with God? Amen? And if we're ever gonna have a, a, a revival in the last days that we're expected to have, we need to rally up this group over here and help them as we help ourselves. I just tell you, as a human being, I don't know how much more I can take of this. Well, you don't have to do that to get to heaven. You don't have to do that to get to heaven. I'm so sick of hearing what we don't have to do to get to heaven. I would like to hear just one person say, you know what, it would be a good idea if you went to church at least once a week. How about you open up your Bible this week, please? Don't, don't anybody in the crowd say, but it won't get you to heaven. How about if somebody just says, here's some things that will help you get to heaven. I mean, wouldn't you want to just hear a group say, hey, it's not about a heaven or hell issue, but it's about a heaven issue. Amen. Amen. Anyways, this is what it says. They told her, and when he told her all of his heart, and she said unto, and he said unto her, there hath not come a razor upon my head, for I had have been a Nazareth unto God from my mother's womb. If I be shaven, then my strength will go from me, and I shall become weak like any other man. That's what he said. Like any other man. That was his opinion. Being like any other man. My opinion is, I wouldn't want to be grouped with you being the other man. He said, I'd be like any other man. Really? Really? That was your opinion, Samson? You put yourself in such a place that you thought that if you made a mistake, you'd be like any other man? Well, how about the farmer that took care of his family and, and went to church? How about the, you know what I'm saying? See how people get their mind wrong? Pretty soon they start comparing themselves like, oh, I'll just be like any other man. Really? You were just like any other man when you were the deliverer. But God was investing in you to do something supernatural. But you were always just like any other man, Samson. You see, you see what I'm trying to say? You see how the mind works? And sometimes as Pentecostals, we think because we got the Holy Ghost that we're above other people. We're just like anybody else. The only difference is God's invested in us. And the only thing we can do to help him is to invest in him. And how can we invest in him? We can get close to him. And just like by the burning bush, maybe we just need to take off some of these things of this world so we can get close to him. How about if he invested in us, how about us investing in him? Amen? 
But Samson says, I'll just be like any other man. And when Delilah saw that he had told her all of his heart, she sent and called the lords of the Philistines, saying, come up at once. And he had showed me his heart. Then the lords of the Philistines came up unto her and brought money in their hand. And she made him sleep upon her knees. And she called for a man and she called for him to shave the seven locks of his head. And she began to afflict him. And his strength went from him. And she said, the Philistines be upon thee, Samson. And he awoke out of his sleep. The enemy is trying to lull the church to sleep in the last days. Just a little bit here. Hush, little churchy. Don't say a word. It just hush, hush, hush. But Samson, as he awoke out of sleep, he said, I will go out as other times before and shake myself. This is no big deal. This is no big deal. I know what I got. And, and, um, but the Philistine, uh, I'm, I'm sorry, and, and wist not the Lord, and he wist not the Lord was departed from him. But the Philistines took him and put out his eyes and brought him down to Gaza and bound him with the feathers of brass, and he did grind in the prison house. Amen. The best thing that ever happened to Samson was he lost his sight. Thank God they pulled his eyes out. Because if we can lose sight of the world, we can gain our sight with God. And when we say, open the eyes of our heart, Lord, you ever think that that's maybe why we close our eyes and lift our hands? Because we want to see Jesus. We don't want to see this world anymore. We just want to see him. We just want to separate ourselves from the world and get as close as we can get to him. Amen. And I know it's true. I know it's true in every one of us that are in here. Because the first time somebody gets sick in your family, you want to get as close to God as you can. The first time a situation happens that you don't have no longer control, you want to close your eyes and get close to him. Amen. Is that true? Amen. Is that true, sister? Is that true? That's amen. Amen. It's true. If I get close my eyes, I can get close to God. Because I'm no longer looking at the world. And in closing, I want to bring up this part right here. In the worst condition of his life, when he had lost all of his fame and fortune, and when he was grinding at this mill, and he was looking silly, and they had, they had pulled him, they had took and put out his eyes. And here he is, a blind man. Now, if you can picture this in your mind, he's pushing on this mill. He thought he was going to be like all the other men. <laughs> That's the, that is the, if we could teach any Pentecostals, that when you are no longer a Pentecostal, you will not be like any other man. Oh no, oh no. You will not be able to enjoy the things that all these worldly people do. Oh no, oh no. Because where else will you go? Because let me tell you what, when you lose this, when you get this thing that we have and you give that away, 
The state you'll be in is like Samson pushing at this mill. You will not be enjoying yourself on some trip to Florida out on a, with a bikinis on a boat. You'll be miserable in whatever state you're in because you can't go from this to that and be like any other man. Samson lied when he said, I'll be like any other man, because you can't go from this, John, and go back to that and be like any other man. Once you've seen these things, you can, you know, it's almost like my marriage. Now that I've been married with Jeanette and how much I love her, there's no way I could ever have the other life I ever had before because I know this life. I could never go, I would be miserable in that life. Amen? There's no going back. You can't be like any other man. See, like, oh, oh, I'm just gonna, I told Jeanette, Jeanette, what did I tell you when you went to, you, I was backslidden. And my wife, we had Billy, and she wanted to go to a women's Bible study with the UPC ladies, and she was Catholic. And what I told her, I, I said, no. And she goes, well, what do you mean no? I said, no, this isn't just like you just go down and find something else. This is, you're gonna go there, and it is gonna change our lives. I'm hiding. I, I, I'm doing my best to survive in this situation. But if you go to that Bible study, it's over. You can never go back to that. You can't. Don't go there. You go there, we'll never go back. And thank God she went. Because I was completely right. There is no going back. And thank God she was right. Because you're in a miserable state if you don't have this. I'm not talking about this. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about this. I'm talking about when Missy gets up and plays piano and, and we're winning. I'm talking about when somebody, like tonight they sing the song, open the eyes of my heart, Lord, and we're winning. That's what I'm talking about. I'm talking about getting close to God. I'm talking about, I don't know where everybody else is, but I know on a Wednesday night we're here, we're getting close to God and I'm glad I came. Even if the preacher isn't that great, you're still gonna be glad you came. You're getting closer to him. Amen. Amen. I will tell this role right here because she's not in here. That lady that just walked out, I have no idea if she left because of me. I'm sorry, but that is one tremendous woman. I don't know if I've met many like her. Amen. And I'm telling you, I think, God, we're a better church for women like her. And that's what, that's, that's what we, we need. We need to know people like that. I need to know her. Amen. I want her to be on my team. I want us to be shirts. Thank God for clothes. It wasn't because I'm Pentecostal. I didn't want to take my shirt off. It's because I don't want to take my shirt off. Amen. I told you I was going to close, so why don't you stand so you would trust me? Maybe somebody can play some music, and I just want to tell you a couple things. And, and this is the truth of the story. There's nobody in here that doesn't have kids. Just because you don't have a kid that you birthed doesn't mean that you don't have kids. You can have as many kids as you want. You need to reach out and grab this world and bring them in. But I tell you the truth. Samson took a hand of a lad. Somebody, one of these youth, had their mind right and grabbed Samson's hand and took him to the middle of the, of the big theater where they were making sport of him and laughing at him. And he, and he grabbed the hand of that youth. Folks, we need the generation that's coming now 
to be a higher standard than we ever were. We need them to be stronger. We need them to be able to take us to the place that we need to go. You need to be able to go like this. Take me to where we need to go. We, it's not about us leading them anymore. They need to lead us. They need to lead us to this place that we can conquer the enemy. They said the lad took him to a place when he pushed down the pillars, the whole thing fell down from the rooftop and he had killed more Philistines than he ever killed in his life. Why? Not because of Samson. Because of what Samson got a hold of. He got a hold of a lad that had vision. Samson had no vision. He just had, he had a will, but no vision. But the kid had vision. I tell you, we need to have a youth group that has vision. This church has got to go this way, not this way. Not even this way. Not even status quo. We need to see the supernatural happen. We need to see... Right. We need to see some of these youth kids that come up here and they're preaching with zeal and passion and going to change this world. Not, are we going bowling? I mean, it's okay to go bowling, but wouldn't it be awesome if a world of youth grabbed us by the hands and said, hey, I know what you guys had, but let me take you to a place what, what we got going on. Hey, I know, you you know, your eyes may be a little dim, but let me take you to a place where we got something going on. Supernatural things happening. Folks, just picture, just close your eyes for a second. Just think, if you walked in the sanctuary and all of a sudden you've seen youth up here laying hands on people and then being healed out of wheelchairs and, and, and the deaf being healed and all these other things, they can be healed and, and walking around and the, and the town's going crazy because your youth is on fire for God and what's going on here? What's happened? There was a higher standard. It's not going to happen by us going, oh, you don't need that to get to heaven. When did we start becoming them people? When? It wasn't in my, I mean, it wasn't when I was a kid. I'm telling you right now, I never heard none of them people tell me that. It's somewhere between here and here. And I'm just about up to here with it. I want to hear somebody say, boys, you know, one of the men in the church here, any one of you great men, you got so much value one of you just said, you know what? I'm going to teach a lesson to the boys. I'm going to go around and give a letter to each one of these boys and say, hey, you know what? I'm going to spend a Thursday night. I'm going to teach you about what it's like to be a man and have a family. Create something. Make something up. But hold them to a higher standard than just talk to them about dating. Talk to them about anything. I think you got to press that by pastor, but if it's anything. But bring them to a higher standard. Kids, I wish you could do this more than I've ever did. Wouldn't it be, you know, I, I know I'm closing, but Billy and Zach never had to have alcohol touch their lips. You know why? They're at a higher standard than where I was at. They won't go in places that I went into because they're at a higher standard. We need to keep that generation going where they're a higher standard. I don't want them to be just saved. I don't want them to just be status quo. I want them to be, where are we going, man? Revival. Amen. Amen. I know I probably went a little long, but here today and gone tomorrow, I don't know how long I'm going to have it. Samson always thought that he would have that hair on his head until one day he told the other side all of the inner parts of his heart. I would just caution you from telling people all the inner parts of your heart. Why don't you tell them to God?
because the enemy wants to listen. He'd like to help you out with your needs. True that? Amen. Well, it's all there's open, you know, even if you just do it for Brother Wilbur, but it'd be nice just to come on up and, and just talk to the Lord if you got a few minutes. I mean, you made the whole way to get here. Even if you got to sit in the chairs or whatever, if you do me a favor and just come up and pray that this body grows higher and we go to a place we've never been before and we're not just satisfied with where we're at, but we're wanting to go someplace else. We want to go higher in God. We want to see some things happen that we've never seen before that they told us about, but we haven't seen. We want to see those things happen. And the only way we're going to see those things happen is if we get closer to God. And how are we going to get closer to God? By taking this world off of us. What can we take off? What can we get rid of in this world that will get us closer to God? It's not about what we have to get by with, but what can we get rid of that will get us closer to God? And it might not even be sin. It may just be some habit that, why do I do that? I need to take a night to teach the boys how, how to, uh, you know, be a husband. I just need to teach the girls how to sew or how to do something. I mean, some of these things, they're just really not silly. Some of our girls probably really want to know some of those things. And even if they don't, you need to grab them and tell them, come on, I want to teach you. We need to be careful to lose the things that we've had from God and not give them and not be the deliverer. We need to help deliver our kids from this ugly world. We need to give them a higher standard of living than what we ever had. Amen. Hallelujah, Jesus. Thank you for listening to this Abundant Life Church podcast. We pray it has strengthened your relationship with God and will continue to be a light unto your pathway to heaven. If you have any questions or comments regarding this podcast, please telephone our ministerial team at 262-965-5177 or email us at info at abundantlifechurch.org.